thyroid drivers. Welcome back to another episode of Thyroid Healthy Bites, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping you live well and eat well so you can feel well. I'm Ginny Mahar, your host and the face behind the apron at hypothyroidchef.com. All right, welcome to the show. I am so thrilled to be here with Drs. Eric Belkevich and Kelly Halderman, authors of The Thyroid Debacle. This book is a game changer, you guys, and it's all about so many of our frustrations that we experience as thyroid patients in the doctor's office with our thyroid treatment and care and why that is and really drilling down into the mechanisms of hypothyroidism and the physiology of that and what it means in our bodies. And I know Eric and I have worked together in the past and I am so grateful for the work that you are doing around just really diving in super deep to a better understanding of what hypothyroidism is. So we're gonna talk about all of that today, the, the thyroid treatment debacle, hypothyroidism and those, you know, deeper physiological understandings of it that we can garner from this episode and from the book. So let's get into it. Um, How about, uh, can you both introduce yourselves? Uh, Eric, do you want to start? Sure. Yeah. My name is Dr. Eric Balkavage. Yeah. So uh, my background is my, I started out as a chiropractor, um, kind of helping people with back issues, wound up having to uh, get back into my roots. I, w- I did medical, I was a medical technologist before going to chiropractic school. But once I got graduated, I had a, a, a my brother said, sent me some, some, a question or demanded I was uh, going to help his, um, his wife. He said, hey, she's got a thyroid condition, she's got an anemia condition, and they're, and they're going to do a hysterectomy, put her on thyroid medications, and put her on iron because she's anemic as well. And I said, okay, so why are you telling me? It's not what I do. And he said, because you're going to figure it out and fix it. And um, that led me back into this deep dive into blood chemistry um, to try and figure out what was going on because obviously you can't leave your family down, right? So you got to help them out. So that led me into a deep dive as I was learning stuff to help her. Uh, I started talking to my clients, uh, my chiropractic clients about what I was learning because you need something to talk about on visits. And you, lo and behold, a large percentage of my chiropractic base was on thyroid medication. And a lot of them were not happy with how they felt. They still felt hypothyroid. Um, and so that led me into a, a, even into a deeper dive a, into what's going on and starting to do more functional medicine. Um, tr- trained under like some of the great minds like Datis Karazian, who really kind of opened our eyes up to what was going on with th- thyroid physiology. Um, and then I was still frustrated uh, to some degree because I thought there was still something missing. And then a friend of mine, Dr. Ben Lynch, introduced me to a paper by Dr. Robert Navio on the cell danger response. And that's really when everything clicked in. And I was like, okay, what we're seeing is not broken physiology, but adaptive physiology. And I started doing a lot of discussion talking about that. And it was my friend Ben who said, listen, you need to put this in a book. And um 
man, it's, it sounds like it's easy. You just slap some writing together, but it didn't come together that easy. And then I brought uh, Kelly in to help because Kelly's training was as a medical doctor and a person who's been struggling with thyroid issues uh, herself. Um, we teamed up, get the book done. And now we're, even though it was a little frustrating as, as a process of, of putting a book together, we're really happy with the outcome. Awesome. And I'm so excited to meet you as well, Dr. Halderman. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about you. Of course, you know, Eric told us a little bit, but um, I'd love to hear about your path to getting into, you know, thyroid and specializing in that and developing such a passion for that. So I'd love to hear more about you and maybe about your personal journey with thyroid issues. Yeah, so I was trained in the allopathic model. I have an MD after my name. And so when I was practicing medicine, I was instructed to look at labs and, you know, very minimal education, which is in the first part of the book that we're not bad people. We're just not getting the, the whole picture. We're just being trained um, in a model that's been antiquated by the science that Eric just elicits in this book. So I remember standing in front of patients who clearly had hypothyroid symptoms and looking at the lab and saying, you don't have problems with your thyroid and, you know, like wash my hands of it. And now I could cry. I could literally cry thinking I, I really turned people away. But it was again, it's not personal. It was just the model that I was trained in. And again, it's it's something that this book, we're trying to set in motion a change. We're trying to set in motion a new paradigm. And so it's laid out in this book. So I was practicing medicine. I got really sick myself. I remember I was delivering a baby on call one night and my, I started to have all these very strange symptoms. I mean, could have been my diet of like diet Mountain Dew and Doritos at, you know, at, up at two o'clock in the, I don't know, could have been that and the stress of all, you know, that was going on in residency training. But I remember getting this migraine and I was perfectly healthy up until residency, basically it is migraine. And I, I just couldn't even see, and I had to grab the nurse to grab the baby. And I thought, okay, what is going on here? Like, I can't even do my job. Right. And I had two little kids at home. Um, they're about two and three years old. And I just, my health just started to basically fail me. And I was diagnosed with MS, with multiple sclerosis, told to, you know, go home and be with my kids. I mean, I was in my late twenties and I, the death sentence, go home. And I thought, okay, um, you know, I, I excelled in allopathic medicine, scored in the 99th percentile on my boards, but guess what? I had no tools in my toolkit at this point to get me out of this chronic health hole. Like I had no tools. So I had to go back to school, get a naturopathic medical degree while I was sick. I started learning about nutrition and detoxification. And, uh, you know, it really wasn't named the cell danger response, but looking at all that load that was on my body and how my body wasn't broken, it was just adapting. And so I, you know, I started to learn from very brilliant people. And one of the most brilliant people is right here, Dr. Eric Balkavich. I was his number one fan before he even realized I was, uh, you know, a person. I, we were speaking at a conference and I called my husband. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Dr. Eric is here. And he's like, oh my gosh, you know, like, are you going to get his autograph? I mean, that's how, you know, I devoured everything because Eric knew, he just knew what was going on, the way he presented, the way he researches he doesn't have opinions. He goes into the scientific literature and it's very difficult to go into the scientific literature and pull pull out what's relevant. But he did that. And I started to learn from him. 
and I had Hashimoto's. That was one of my other diagnoses, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I just started doing what Eric told me to do. You know, basically it's all laid out in this book and I'm 110% better. I mean, I do all kinds of things to help with my health on a, on a daily basis. And they're all found in part three of the book, all of the things that we do, but I really owe so much to him and to his knowledge. And so I was honored hundred percent honored to be a part of this book and to help people. Because again, I, I, I am in your shoes as a patient with hypothyroidism. I am in the shoes of the doctor was in the shoes of the doctor. I don't practice medicine anymore um, of, of that training model. So I think I have a lot to offer in, um, in helping people on both levels. Wow. I just got so many goosebumps while you were sharing your story because it's so validating to hear those things as a patient, especially from an MD who's been through it. And that's one thing I tell people a lot, you know, when they come to me and say, well, how do I find a good doctor? One thing I tell them is, you know, some of the best thyroid doctors are the ones who have thyroid issues themselves. And they realize that that conventional standard of care isn't really enough. It's not comprehensive enough. And, and while it may work for some, there are a lot of us who are still feeling really lousy doing TSH testing and treating with levothyroxine. I mean, I lost four years of my life feeling awful sick all the time, the first four years of my son's life. And I can never get that time back. That's what fuels my fire because you know, that's what makes me want to help others and bring them to resources like you to realize there are things you can do. There's, you know, there are problems with the standard of care. And I want to point out that, you know, the doctors are not the villains in this story. I think if there is a villain, it's the healthcare system, which is not a healthcare system. It's a sick care system, and it's designed to treat people who are sick or injured. And uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that issue. Um, it's easy, and Kelly and I both went through that process. We were blaming the physician, right? Like we both had our pro healthcare issues and challenges. And then when somebody doesn't listen, you want to blame the doc, right? But really it's the model. And yeah. the other, I think a huge problem, one of the big issues is we don't really have a great definition of what health is that anybody agrees on. So if you don't, if you can't define health and have agreement on it, how can you have a healthcare system, right? Mm -hmm. You can't have a system based on something you can't define. So we don't have a healthcare system. What we have is a sick care management system and acute care system, but we really truly don't have a healthcare system because when you ask somebody, what's their definition of health? Usually you don't get a very good response um, from somebody and everybody's got a different opinion, right? Everybody's healthy until they have a disease. But until we do a really good job of defining what that is, I think we're going to, we're going to struggle. You know, that's one thing that you talk about in the book and one thing that I really wish I had known and understood sooner as a patient is the expectations, like having realistic expectations from our doctors and um, like that difference between allopathic versus what I call like holistic, you know, I kind of, it's hard to like... <laughs> there's all these facets of what I call like holistic medicine, like there's functional, there's naturopathy, you know, integrative, etc. 
but I sort of term it like holistic or whole health oriented mm-hmm. hair versus allopathic. Can you maybe explain to the listeners just before we dive into what the thyroid debacle is, what the issues are with that allopathic standard of care, just so we understand terminology wise, what the real difference in philosophy is there between the two schools. Absolutely. So I think the biggest thing it really comes down to training and philosophy. And I think the the problem, even in functional medicine, is we're seeing a bleeding of allopathic philosophy coming into what we call functional medicine. And in allopathic medicine, the the primary focus is really on, and Kelly can correct me because she's got the experience, but in primary, in allopathic medicine, primarily what a doctor is doing is looking for a disease that needs to be addressed, right? Not dysfunction, right? They're really focused on the disease. Do I have pathology that needs to be managed, treated, cut out, removed, something along those lines? And so it's really about not really getting to necessarily root cause issues. If you have high blood pressure, what medication can we give to lower the blood pressure? And as long as we've managed the blood pressure, we've addressed the problem. Functional medicine and and this holistic medicine is different based on the philosophy. And the philosophy should be that we want to identify what are the things, diet, lifestyle, emotional stress, physical stress, respiratory stress, sleep disruption, that's causing an excessive load on the system that's causing the body to produce signs and symptoms of altered function, dysfunction, or what we call allostasis. And our job should be not to just manage those signs and symptoms with supplementation, which often happens and we call the greenwashing of medicine. But really what our job should be to do is how do we reduce or eliminate those things, diet and lifestyle factors, to a point that we can get rid of this danger physiology and have the, the physiology body become be restored back to normal, what we call homeostasis or normal physiology. So uh, it's just a different philosophy different foundational principles. Yet, I think in today's world with so many allopathic physicians, allopathically oriented and trained people coming into this holistic space, we see this bleeding in of that philosophy and kind of disrupting this holistic philosophy. You know, your, your doctor, they practice in terms of how they're allowed to practice. So, you know, you have insurance company is and you have um, a clock that says that you have 15 minutes with this this patient and um you know there's there's guidelines that that dictate your the way you practice medicine and so a lot of doctors are just stuck and in order so let's say i was in medical uh practice i was practicing in a you know in a traditional way and i read this book and i thought he's right there's some issues here then translating that into my patient visit would be extremely difficult, if not, you know, cost me probably my job. Um, because you're, you're just not, you're not fitting into that model. So, you know, that's why I think a lot of doctors are leaving their profession. You know, they're seeing that it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating. So you'll see a lot of doctors who leave and then they have the freedom to address lifestyle issues. You know, I really, I wasn't taught in medical school 
um, even about how, um, you know, trauma and emotional trauma, how that affects the physiological body. There is a, you know, a wealth of, of scientific information that just says in of itself that, you know, just traumatic experience and all that, that's some, you know, you do an entire podcast on it, but that how much it affects the, the body is irrefutable. But yet again, we're not taught that it's, you know, it's, there's the model that you're in and you're practicing it. So I will just say, it's just, it's not, it's not very easy to just implement these things in. You know, let's go ahead and dive into the, you know, standard of care for thyroid patients. And I, I, this is another question I'd love to hear from both of you on. So Eric, why don't we start with you? Can you tell us like, what is the thyroid debacle in your words? So essentially what goes on in this country is that we have people with overt signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism, but we define hypothyroidism only when a TSH goes lab high and a free T4 value goes lab low. Until that, those two things occur, the person is told they don't have a thyroid problem. And to be fair, they're told they don't have a thyroid gland problem. And to, again, to be fair, technically, uh, they might have what we talk about, cellular tissue hypothyroidism going on, but the medical community does not have a tool to do anything about that developing problem because the only tool they have is T4. And the thought process is we have to wait until those two values are out of range. Then we provide T4 to bring TSH back into range and then everything is good. But the literature clearly shows that by the time somebody reaches that level of high TSH, low free T4, they've lost about 90% function of their thyroid gland. That is not the beginning of a thyroid condition. That's the end of the condition, right? So what do we, we, why do we want to wait until somebody's thyroid gland is so destroyed before we have a problem? But the other problem, the other real debacle is, is that we don't consider the impact thyroid hormone has at the tissue level. The reason you have hypothyroid signs or symptoms or hyperthyroid signs and symptoms is because of what's happening in the individual cells and tissues, not what's in the bloodstream, not necessarily what's happening at the gland. Because I can take your gland out, put you on enough T4 to normalize your TSH and your T4, and you could still experience both hypo and hyperthyroid symptoms because of what's happening at the tissue level. And unfortunately, the medical community has no tools in the toolbox to really assess what's going on at the tissue level, which is the real issue here. And if we we currently say that about 10% of the population might experience a thyroid condition in their lifetime, but I would argue that it's probably significantly higher the number of people who are walking around with tissue hypothyroidism, cellular hypothyroidism, because when we think about blood sugar regulation, you need T3 inside cells to transport glucose into a cell, whether it's insulin-based or non-insulin-based. So anybody who's got a blood sugar problem has some compromise of their thyroid physiology. Elevated cholesterol, elevated LDL, the big, let's just go with cholesterol. The biggest, one of the biggest reasons you have elevated cholesterol is not because you eat too much fat. It's because you do not have enough T3 to help pull that cholesterol out of the bloodstream and get it into the liver, get it into the adrenal gland, get it out and then get it out of the body or convert it into hormone. 
T3 in the cells is virtually ignored, and yet it is the thing that's driving metabolism. It is the thing that's either too high or too low that's the primary driver of symptoms, and it's virtually ignored unless, well, it's virtually ignored. The only thing that's focused on is TSH and free T4, and you see papers like TSH is the one and only marker needed to assess thyroid physiology when TSH really is compromised by so many different values and it's not a static number and it's just a mess. And so many people are struggling as a result of this kind of very narrow thought process about thyroid physiology. Mm. Just to clarify for the listeners, you know, T4 is the inactive form of thyroid hormone that most of us are medicated with, with synthetic thyroid hormones, medications like levothyroxine or Synthroid. And that has to be converted in the body to the active form of thyroid hormone, which is T3. And Eric, you're the first person I ever heard about cellular hypothyroidism from. And it really, like, this is a game changer. This really shifted my thinking about the mechanism of hypothyroidism. So um, before we shoot over to Kelly, can you explain what cellular hypothyroidism is for the listeners? Absolutely. So thyroid hormone is thyroid hormone T4, T3 is made in the gland, right? Um, and then most of it, what the gland makes is T4. It makes some other things. It makes a small amount of T3. Most of the tissues, most of that T4 circulates in the bloodstream and then needs to be transported into the cells where once that T4 gets into the cells, the T4 can be converted to T3. And it's T3 inside the cells that binds to receptors that either turns on actions and makes us feel good, or it turns off actions like inflammatory processes that may help us may be good. If you don't have sufficient levels of thyroid hormone T3 inside the tissue, that's going to result often in hypothyroid signs and symptoms. And we call that cellular or tissue hypothyroidism. Now, the big question is, how do you assess it? Well, you can't assess it with a TSH and a free T4. But, and the other thing that's important is you could have cellular tissue hypothyroidism going on with a normal TSH, with a normal T4, and even potentially a normal T3 value. Okay. So it really is important. Uh, and we'll get into this maybe in a little bit, that we understand this concept of cellular hypothyroidism because if we do a real narrow look at only a thyroid panel, we may totally miss the fact that there's cellular tissue hypothyroidism going on. And that's why we talk about in the book, you got to run everything in contact. You can't just run a thyroid panel. You have to look at the rest of the blood panel so you can see the potential impact of tissue hypothyroidism. I think that's a great segue for you, Kelly. I was wondering if you could kind of explain to us as an MD, what is your what are you trained to do to treat hypothyroid patients in the allopathic model? And what is, you know, in your words, that thyroid debacle of that standard of care? Sure. So um, just one word, it's, it's drugs. Um, you know, again, and I don't practice medicine anymore. So, um, and I'll just say this, my husband's a medical doctor. I, me medicine is a wonderful things to offer us. So we're, you know, we're not trying to, to put any, anyone down or anything like that. This is just information. And so again, I went through the training where I would look people dead in the eye that were red flags for all kinds of hypothyroid symptoms, but 
their labs look good. So it's almost like they're blindly marching to a cliff. They're marching toward it. They have all these symptoms, but yet I cannot intervene in, during that march because I didn't have any tools in the toolkit. Again, Eric alluded to that. So they're marching toward it. They have all these signs and symptoms, um, you know, and they have other things we'll get into too. So, you know, the blood sugar dysregulation, perhaps high cholesterol, all these flags are, are waving, but yet you're just, you just don't have anything to, to offer until you do the, the TSH. And then if that pops high, you do a reflex uh, free T4. If that's low, here's your replacement for T4. But there's your prescription, right? Um, you know, we always encourage people when I was practicing medicine, uh, exercise. And what is it, Eric? We always, the medical doctors exercise and eat less yeah. <laughs> because that's your problem. I mean, you just don't exercise enough and you eat too much. It's like, gosh, that's just so such bad. You know, that's just, it's so almost shaming, right? It's just like, put it all on, you know, that, that, that just those two things when the picture's so much bigger. So that's just, that's just how we do it. And then, you know, some of the, the, the anecdotes that Eric will talk about on these podcasts that we do about, you know, people being on so much T4 and it's just mind boggling how much their doctor, but their doctor's trying, right. They're trying with the tools that they have. Um, but you know, I think that that's where, that's where it ends, you know, you begins and ends with monitoring of TSH and free T4. And if you go to, um, we don't have any affili affiliation, but if you go to requestatest.com, you can look up and see the thyroid debacle panel. You can put it right in there and you can see all the labs that are suggested to take a, take a bigger look at, at thyroid. So if you just want to look at that yourself or even educate your doctor, look, I look at all these other tests that we can use to look at thyroid physiology. Hey, Jenny, I want to jump in there one, real quick because something you said, I want to make sure why this is so important when Kelly's talking about lots of giving somebody lots of T4 and the impact of that, when you said, hey, it's the inactive hormone, it's really, really important. And Kelly and I talked about this a couple of years ago because of a paper I said that would never be written. And it came out in 2019 about the negative impact of T4 in the system because T4 and reverse T3 combine to receptors on the outside of the cell. They're called integrin receptors. And when you have too much T4 into the system, like somebody, you don't feel good. So the doctor keeps giving you more and more and more and driving your TSH so low. Um, they think that, that there's no downside to having that excessive T4, but that excessive T4 can create a problem. It can cause sick cells to replicate. That is not something we want to have happening. And so I, Kelly and I were, I had a discussion one day and I said, if this is the case that T4 can bind to these receptors and cause sick cells to replicate, would you think that there, wouldn't you think there's a greater incidence of cancer in people who are diagnosed with hypothyroidism, put on thyroid medication and down the line, develop cancer as a result of it. And I said, but it, nobody will ever do that paper. And then in 2019, that paper came out and almost every form of cancer was elevated in people who were hypothyroid on thyroid medication in the next five to 10 years. That's a scary statistic. So scary. Oh so my gosh. That I know. is jaw dropping. I don't even nobody's know. talking about it. I'm just like, we're talking about it. It is. It's absolutely mind blowing. I mean, it makes complete sense and it really needs to be out there. People need to know about that. 
Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. One thing you said, Kelly, was, you know, you talked about, this is one of the things that we hear from our doctors so much that is so invalidating is just eat less and exercise more. And you really address that in the book, these different forms of stress. There's so many different forms of stress that the body can be under. And Eric, you kind of shared your your thyroid story mm-hmm. and how that started with a lot of exercise. Yeah. And can you maybe can you tell us about that? And maybe we can use that to sort of go into that cell danger response. Cause I think that's such a powerful um thing to understand. Yeah, I like I was in my forties doing triathlon. So, and, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of the healthy things, right? I eat, I eat clean. I exercise pretty every day. I'm putting in a few hours of exercise during that triathlon training, you know, swimming, running, lifting, biking. Uh, and so I, you look at it, Hey, good diet, lots of exercise. I should be healthy. And I randomly ran my blood panel once a year. I would run a blood panel on myself, comprehensive to see what's going on. And I was shocked. I didn't feel bad, but I was shocked to find out I've got uh, Hachimoto's. I've got insulin resistance. I've got elevated lipids. uh, I've got multiple inflammatory markers elevated. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Right. And so, you know, I had to take a step back and say, okay, let's let's take an honest review of what's going on here. I was, that was at a point in my life where, you know, sleep was for the week. I was trying, I was really only getting about four hours of sleep a night because I was studying till late and then getting up early to do, you know, the things I need to get everything in. I've got a busy practice, got a wife and and three kids and I'm coaching their sports, uh, doing a bunch of other things at the same time. And, uh, you know, if you looked at me, you'd say, Hey, this guy's pretty healthy, but, internally because I had so much stress and poor recovery. And that's the key. Four hours of sleep is not going to do it. You might be able to get away with that when you're younger, but years and years of doing that pays a toll. And we know that some of the research that's been done says if you're under six hours of good quality sleep per night, you really run the risk of creating a lot of chronic health issues because when does the body heal and repair at night when we're sleeping? And then to add to that mix, I'm training and probably I'm running uh, way above my optimal heart rate for aerobic fitness, even though that's the that's the pace that felt good, plus multiple broken noses and deviated septum. You don't breathe well, so I'm doing way more mouth breathing. And so between chronic inflammation, mouth breathing, I'm creating chronic hypoxia all night during those four hours I'm sleeping. And then when I'm training, I was just putting so much stress on the system that my body was like, hey, there's danger going on here. Shut the metabolism down, slow it down, ramp up inflammation. What's trying to kill us, right? And it, that's good if you got a bacteria or a virus or an organism, but if it's you who's doing it, that's problematic, right? And so that started me on that kind of real observation that, man, even you can overdo this with almost anything, with good intention. My intentions were really good, but 
I wasn't allowing for the rest recovery. And there were so many things that we talked about from a fitness perspective, sleep fitness, respiratory fitness, dietary fitness, uh, that all need to be looked at. It's not one thing. Sometimes we see the sexy thing like EBV is the cause of all thyroid disorder, uh, or this organism, H. pylori is the cause of all th hypothyroidism or all Hashimoto's. And that's, it's sexy, but it, it's not that simple. There's multiple potential things and multiple potential things that are leading to somebody's thing. It's usually never one thing. It's usually the load. And we talk about that quite a bit in the book. Mm -hmm. I always, you know, as hypothyroid chef, I'm always very clear to point out and my content reflects this too, like food is one thing. And I think it's a foundational thing, but it's all the things. It's mm -hmm. all the things. It's our emotional health. It's our toxic burden. It's how much sleep we're getting. Are we drinking enough water? Are we drinking filtered water? Um, how is our gut health? All those different factors come into play. So um, thank you for pointing that out. And I think, you know, I just hearing your story, it's like, this is what so many Americans are dealing with. I just had a friend who got a huge work promotion tell me, you know, she's really overwhelmed and she's having a hard time finding time to exercise. And she said, I decided I'm just going to set my alarm for 4 a.m. and get up and not sleep so much. And I'm like, don't do it. <laughs> you got know, to you got to like that sleep is so important. So all those different factors can come into play in like piling on different forms of stress on our body. Like exercise is a great example of like it's good for you know not all stress is bad stress right there can be good stress but it's like you know we hit this threshold i guess um and obviously you know you all are the ones who are most qualified to talk about that so can you kelly maybe you can explain that whole um you know idea in the book of the cell danger response and how do we get to that point where our physiology just isn't working, you know, the way it's supposed to, or isn't, you know, is going into like a problematic area. Sure. So the cell danger response is a primordial response that we've had uh, evolutionary, you know, for a very long time and it's, it's protective. So your body will go into this cell danger response again, not because it's broken, but yet because it's trying to save you from whatever it perceives as danger. Now that can be a bacterial infection. It can be microbial stress, physical stress, like Eric, uh, chemical stress, emotional stress, like a very big trauma can set you into a cell danger response. Now, what will you see? What will you feel when your body is in a cell danger response? You'll feel like crap to be just to be honest. You'll want to lay in bed. You'll want to, your brain won't work as well. Just think if, if, um, if you got the flu, what, what does your body need? It needs to lay in a bed. It needs to recover. It doesn't need to reproduce. It doesn't need to doing that. So again, so people, what the problem is, is that when you, you know, typically get the flu, you're going to go into that cell danger response. You're going to have a modification of all kinds of things, the, the structure of your cell, different signaling things. And again, you're supposed to kick out of that, right? Because it's like, okay, Danger's over. We, get, we got rid of the, the flu. We're going to go back to normal cell metabolism. But what happens is that the load that we are experiencing is, is so heavy these days 
that we just can't get out. But it's not our our body. There's nothing wrong with our, our body. Actually, is very very intelligent. And so when I was sick, when I had I actually had Lyme and mold and everything, I was just in this prolonged cell danger response, brain fog, weight gain, um, didn't sleep very well, and all kinds of symptoms, terrible skin, all that because I was in the cell danger response. So how do you get out? You start taking off this the load, the things that are weighing you down. My diet was terrible. My stress level was so high, like all these things. It, and you know, my weight gain, it wasn't from a lack of exercise. It was from all these things that are weigh, were weighing down on me. And I will tell you this is that when I over-exercise, I will put on weight even now. So I watch my HRV. That's how I kind of know like where I'm at. Because if I start to, there's a story in the book where my husband and I were going on this beach vacation. And this was probably only like 10 years ago. And by that time, I'd really started to get my health back and I started to get back on my feet. But I, you know, I started to work out a lot and I'm just doing all these things. And I'm looking at the scale and looking at my body impedance and my fat, it's going up and I'm going, what is going on? Well, again, it's just, I put, that was just too much stress. That was just too much stress on my body. So again, I've had people, clients I worked with in the past. I just simply put mouth tape on them and fix their respiratory fitness. And they start to lose that weight because you're, again, you're, you're taking the stress off the body. So I think of your friend who's setting the alarm for 4am to do more exercise. It's like, that's more stress physiologically, emotionally, and all that. And then probably stress that her body doesn't need. So again, cell danger response, not a bad thing, very adaptive, but again, we, we focus on, and that's part three of the book, looking at all those systems that we can start unloading that really your, your allopathic doctor's not familiar with how to, to help you in those areas, maybe a great functional medicine coach or things, but the, but the part three is really robust and the information on there that you can help yourself even you know, starting today. Yes, I really enjoyed that part of the book, the strategic thyroid solution and, you know, the take that you both brought to that, you know, whole fitness. So not just physical fitness, but your emotional fitness, your environmental fitness, your metabolic fitness, your sleep fitness, your dietary fitness, just naming a few, but um, Eric, maybe can you talk to us about the strategic thyroid solution? Yeah, it's a, a, we needed to, you know, everybody wants to know, okay, how do you fix it, right? And so uh, it, do you give T3? Do you give T4? What numbers are you trying to push into range? Uh, what supplements do you need to take? And that's really not the focus of what this book is about or what we wanted to kind of teach and coach in this process. And so the, what I talk about as part of the strategic thyroid solution, when we're having that discussion with somebody, it's like, how do we do exactly what Kelly said, identify the factors that are creating the excessive stress load? How do we reduce or eliminate those the best to the best of our ability? And then how do we support the recovery of the tissues? And how do we do it? You know, it's diet, it's lifestyle, it's our nutrition, it's everything that's, that's what created the problem. So this is just reverse engineering. Let's start taking those things off, take, take the load away, and then all of a sudden the system can come back online. Say, okay, danger's averted. And now it can, we can coax it back. Now, sometimes people say, hey, well, if I, if I reduce the stress, how come I didn't get better? Well, sometimes you've kind of really compromised the system so much that you really have to do a lot of nurturing to get the system to come back online. 
and maybe you needed some adrenal support. Maybe you need to help that GI tract recover so you can get back back to health faster. But it's really simple concepts. Identify the root cause issues, reduce or eliminate those as much as possible so that the dangerous signals go away and then start to support the recovery and then manage and maintain health versus constantly managing signs, symptoms, and disease. Awesome. And that's it. I mean, that is thyroid healthy living. And, you know, my personal story with that is those four years that I lost, I was sick and tired all the time. And like by sick, I mean, I would have laryngitis for three weeks at a time over and over and over again. Uh, I couldn't recover from viruses like uh, sore throat would turn into strep and that would turn into tonsillitis and that would turn into a double ear infection and I'm after I'm on round after round of antibiotics and just tired from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed couldn't lose weight to save my life just and I'm like a passionate person you know and it just felt so flat I just kept telling my doctor I, I don't feel like myself. It's not, this is not me. This something's going on. And of course, what I heard was, well, your TSH was normal. And so you're fine. And it's not related to your thyroid because, you know, you're medicated and, and all of that. And then, you know, I hit rock bottom eventually after four years of that, started applying these principles that you talk about in the book. And I mean, I never get sick anymore. I haven't, it's been, so that was 2011 to 2015. Since 2015, the only antibiotics I've been on were the ones that were required for shoulder surgery. Mm -hmm. I just, I, and I'm not saying I feel perfect all the time. I have Hashimoto's, I have ups and downs. I'm 40, I'm a 45 year old woman. Like my body's in a constant state of shifting and all that stuff. There's, you know, little things that come up, but then you always have those tools to go back to, to write yourself and come back to homeostasis. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think the big issue, we, we have a couple issues. One is that we don't really know what health is, right? Um, and we have our own, everybody's got their own individual idea of what healthy is. Um, two, uh, people are looking for the magic bullet. What's the one thing, right? I, I get a lot of messages from people uh, on Instagram and, and emails like, just tell me what I need to do to fix it, right? Well, I don't know what your load is, right? I don't know the exact things, but I the, all the things we talk about in part three, are the those are the things. So if you can do a good self-assessment, most of that stuff you can start to work on your own. Most people just can't do a good self-assessment because they're, they have their own bias, right? But um, the issue is that people are always looking for the simple one thing to do that'll fix it. And it really isn't one of these things. I went, I went gluten-free and worked for a while and now, but now it's back again. Right. Because gluten was just part of the load, right? You still have a leaky gut. You still have bacterial issues. You're still not sleeping. You still have chronic inflammation. So all these things. And I know people get frustrated when, when I say this stuff, like you got to work on improving each one of these fitness factors, right? You, because you're going to be, the weakest one is going to be the thing that's going to compromise you. So you could say, well, I put, I put a lot of time and energy into good nutrition. Well, great. But if you don't sleep well, if you don't breathe well, you don't exercise, you're still going to have health related issues. So we have to work on all of these pieces and it's difficult. Right? We're all busy. We all have families. We have lifestyles and things we need to do. So finding time to sleep, 
get good quality sleep, finding time to decompress, to, to chill out, to relax, to work on our headspace, to work on breathing exercises. How many people never consider that the breathing that they're doing has any impact on their health until they can't breathe, right? But it's so many people have dis, disordered breathing. It's It's a it's a shame. And even when we're, when I'm talking to clients, I'm like, Hey, did you do the respiratory fitness tests? I asked you to do. No, I'm sure I breathe well. <laughs> well, how do you know? Well, I just know, right? Because they assume they'd be like choking if they had a, a breathing issue. Well, look, I got a deviated septum. One side doesn't get air in. All I need is a little stuffy nose on the other side and I'm screwed. <laughs> right. So, but I, would you, if you said, Hey, do you have a breathing problem? I'd say, absolutely. No, but I know I have a I, I will always, until I get that thing fixed, I will always have some breathing challenges. And that's a weak link for me, right? So that's the thing. We, we have a tendency to go for the sexy, right? Oh, just give me an antimicrobial for the H. pylori and then I'll be good. And all the other stuff is not working well. And then you get frustrated as to why you don't do good. If you want to recover, you got to work on all these aspects that we talk about in the book. It's not sexy. Kelly and I had a discussion about putting a bunch of supplements in the book or not. And the, we agreed it's not a good idea. And the reason is because everybody's looking for the magic supplement to fix their problem. And they add and they add and they add and they add and they rarely ever take away. And then they show up in a practice like mine with 20 different supplements they're taking every day. And they go, what are you going to give me? And I'm usually like, if you need that many supplements to feel this awful, you don't need any of them. Let's get rid of all those and start over. And it's frustrating for a lot of people. Like I spent a lot of money on these and I need all these. No, you don't, or you'd feel better. You can't supplement your way out of a bad emotional state. You can't supplement your way out of poor sleep habits and poor sleep quality and poor respiration. You got to work on these things. Hmm. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) It's human nature though. I mean, there's nobody who doesn't want the quick fix. There's nobody who just doesn't want to just pop a pill. Like, of course. It's human nature. Just human nature. And, And it is what it is. So we really, we see, you know, we see that suitcase full of supplements coming in and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's common. So um, I'm, we're not against nutritional supplements. Let me tell you that some of the nutritional supplements out there, they, they're excellent and they're appropriate. And, you know, so we're definitely not saying like ditch all your supplements, but it's, it's usually, again, it's, it, it's not your lack of, you know, CoQ10 that's causing your issue, you know, like. I really appreciated that about the book. And that's, that wasn't the intention of the book. And that's not, you know, this isn't a follow steps one through 25 and you'll be fixed. It's let's understand this on a deeper level. Let's understand health on a deeper level so that we can have sustainable, lifelong, optimal health, whatever optimal means for you mm-hmm. and your season of life and your circumstances and all of that. Kelly, you know, you said at the top of the show, you said, I feel 110% better now. And I'd love to hear more about your, you know, your story with that. How did you go from your rock bottom to 110% better? And I know me and the listeners of this show would love to hear, um, about food, not only food, but you know, we'd, I'd love to hear like your 
personal approach to what works for you food wise? Sure. So my rock bottom was being bedridden and not being able to understand what people were saying to the extent of, I couldn't understand when someone would give me their phone number, what a seven was. I mean, my, I was, my brain was so inflamed. I couldn't read to my children. So when people, I, you know, I went to this, um, wasn't a reunion, but it was like something where all these people from like high school were there. And a couple of them said to me, I thought you had passed away. <laughs> Cause I was so sick. My and I was like, Nope, I'm, I'm here. And I'm like driving and they're like, well, what are you doing? So, you know, basically, and I hate to just keep going back on this, but I don't hate it, but it's like part three of the book guys, like you got to know yourself. Like don't, you know, you know yourself best. That is just one of my central tenets is that we hold inside of us the information. We know best what's stressing us out. We just need to know like the assessments and how to put them into place. I didn't know how, uh, you know, my breathing was disordered. I didn't know all that. And so everything that I've done in optimizing my dietary fitness, my emotional health, I mean, a big piece of um, my, my chronic stress was an emotional piece that I use the map method to, to help me with. So again, every stone that I didn't leave unturned was something that was continuing to stress me out. So, um, you know, I optimized my genetics. I got, I got trained in genetics and I optimized that. But again, I think, and I think everybody would agree is that nutrition is paramount. Nutrition is one of the foundational pillars where we really need to optimize our gut health. We really need to um, make sure we're not are hurting, hurting our gut. So I, I stay away in general. I stay away from processed foods. I just keep it simple. I really try and keep it simple. There was no magical, oh, I gave up gluten. And now like Eric said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm cured. I, it was like, okay, gluten's inflammatory to me. When I eat gluten, I don't feel good. I don't feel well. So I, I took that off. I've done blood tests before. I actually have done every blood test and, and the tests on the planet to optimize my foods. But what it comes down to, I'll just give you a little secret. The best way to really analyze, you know, what foods, in my opinion, that you, you're, you're reacting to and your body doesn't like is to do an elimination diet. That is the gold standard. Your body will tell you your body's so intelligent. It will tell you I'm not against blood testing, but I think you're kind of chasing like, oh, I'm allergic to broccoli. I'll take that out. And I'm allergic to this. I mean, those are important. But, um, you know, on a daily basis, I, I pay attention to water. I pay attention to hydration. Um, Eric and I love to talk about detoxification and how your body is constantly uh, just um, bombarded with toxins. And how do we get those toxins out? Well, a really important part of that is our bile system, our bile liver function. And bile is 98% aqueous. So you transport system to get your toxins out of your body. It's mostly water. We are mostly water. So I am a big fan of paying attention to hydration. Such a very simple concept, but you got to have your balls moving. You have to have all that moving. Um, so, you know, I also do an intermittent fasting because it works for me. I do, I do a time restricted eating where I'm only eating about six hours, maybe eight hours in a day, but that gives my, my gut a chance to repair and restore. I use um, some nutritional supplements for like digestion. I'll use um, some digestive enzymes, some apple cider vinegar, just kind of here and there. But I, I, I pay attention to my digestive system 100%. Um, what else for nutrition? Um, you know, I, I've gone through every diet. When I got sick, I was a vegan. I think that had something to do with 
my problems is that I was kind of a junk food vegan, you know, like cheese pizza, you know, Diet Coke. I was just vegan. So I try to eat more, um, just a balanced omnivore type diet. Some people do better on different diets. I, Eric and I just preach no Franken food as he calls it, right? <laughs> no, if you can't pronounce it, throw it out. So, you know, just on a daily basis, I just try to eat whole foods. That's, that's really what yeah. I do. And, and move through the life like that, which is difficult so, when you're eating out, but you know, in other words, you're no longer living off of uh, Diet Coke and Doritos from the vending machine like you were uh, in your residency days. That is correct. <laughs> I've come a long way. I've come a long way. And I will say this is that I I have not reached a point where I'm like, again, I'm cured. I can do whatever I want. It's like I'm on the pathway of health and I stay on that pathway. I I'm constantly you know doing things again, like making sure I'm not exercising enough or too little, making sure my breathing's proper, you know, all these things. It's like, this is just a constant thing that we're, we're doing. I'm managing my stress levels. I started box breathing. Eric taught me about that. So it's, again, it's not like we're going to do all these things and then, you know, we're done, right? It's just every day. What can we do for our magnificent bodies? Because, you know, that that's just the way that I have, I've been able to maintain that 110% just a hundred and then pay attention to sleep, you know, a hundred percent. That's one of my just absolutely my, even my kids are like, do not text mom after 10 PM. Do not go knock on her door unless the house is burning down or anything. I just, I really um, am a stickler about making sure that I'm getting proper rest. I love that. And then feeling good is, you know, its own motivation. Kelly, I have one more question, you know, be, are you, I guess I don't want to ask, you know, you're a, uh, personal question about your current, like, you know, thyroid medication, but I'll put it this way. One thing that I hear a lot from people is I'm trying to get off my thyroid medication and how possible or even necessary do you feel it is for us to use an approach like this, this whole life, whole health approach to get off medication? Can you set us up for realistic expectations? Because I know I apply all those things and I feel pretty good and I just kind of I'm still on thyroid medication and I accept that, you know, personally, it's not something I lose sleep over. I've, you know, worked with my doctor hard to optimize my medication. And to me, it's part of that whole health puzzle. But should I be raising my standards? So um, I think what Dr. Eric at the beginning said was very key is that by the time that your TSH starts to go up and your T4 drops, you've had destruction to your thyroid gland upwards of 90%. I am currently still on thyroid medication. I have absolutely no problem with being on the medication because I need it. Uh, I, if there was a way that um, I could get off of it, I'll tell you what I would have already implemented in medication is sometimes just absolutely needed. And there should be absolutely no shame from anyone taking any medication that they need to stay healthy. Focus on how you feel and really forget the rest because, you know, that's a personal decision. And it's also, you're not, so if someone's thinking like, oh, in order to be naturally healthy, I have to, this is a great example. In order to be naturally healthy, I have to be off my medication. Well, guess what? In order for uh, me to see clearly, I need glasses. Do I feel badly about me needing glasses when they're not natural? It's kind of like, 
they're just glasses, right? There's so many, there's so many examples like that. And so medication is just a personal uh, decision that you and your licensed healthcare provider, you're, you're definitely, you know, there's no advice other than inside that relationship that, that you should take. Now there's other things that you can do like in the part three of the book about optimizing your entire, you know, physiology of your entire body. Now, if that so happens that that optimizes uh, your thyroid function and you need a little less medication, well, good for you. Maybe you optimize your physiology where the next time you go and get your labs done, your doctor's like, whoa, you know, you're, you're higher than expected. And maybe we should try and taper that off. But that's, that's you and your doctor's decision together. All right. Great to know. Thank you for that. I I know that makes me feel better. And I hope it brings some peace of mind to the listeners too. You know, this is about you. This is your journey and it's bio individual. We're all unique. You know, if we've learned anything today, it's that, you know, there's no one cookie cutter solution. It's finding what works for us, finding our unique root cause factors and finding our unique solution that works for our health circumstances it works for our life circumstances it's sustainable for us and it gets us those results ultimately of feeling better you know that's like that's the pudding isn't it and the proof is in it (laughs) how do you feel you know and if you feel good on like for me you know doing thyroid healthy living thyroid healthy eating and some medication there's no shame in that. Good for you. 100%. Whether you're on T3, T4, just T3, maybe you're on a glandular, I, I, you know, whatever you're on, it's again, what, how do you feel? And um, objective markers of health. How's your HRV? Like, how's your resting heart rate? Like, those things too. How's your sleep? Are you getting good deep sleep? Are you getting good REM sleep? All of those contribute to not just relying on qualitative. Like, when people wake up in the morning, they're like, how do you feel? It's like, "Mm," you know, some days it's like, oh, I really feel good or not. So I like to add in the objective markers as well, just to kind of the side note to, you know, the trying to keep track of um, how how you feel. So if I implement in, let's say I, people send me samples of things all the time, try this Dr. Hollerman. So I, I was um, trying out a new supplement and um, you know, again, the markers I look at HRV, deep sleep, uh, REM sleep, um, resting heart rate, and I implemented this in and I used that tracking data, not just do I feel good? I'm not sure. There's a lot of confounding things, but um, everything got better. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I didn't really think I felt any better, but that's kind of hard to ascertain some days. Then I took it away and things dropped a little bit. And I thought, my body really likes this. My, It's really, it's actually helping. So that's how, again, that's another trick that I'll, I'll use is to use the objective data to help you guide your selections because people have supplements galore. They don't really know what's helping or what's not helping. And that's just a kind of a, an easy thing to try and um, track. Well, an HRV or heart rate variability, that's, I have that on my Fitbit app. I don't have to get a test for that. You know, you can see if a lot of, uh, do you use a tracker or something to see? Yeah. Um, Okay, one last question, because this just came up while you were were talking. Do you look at your um, thyroid antibodies as a marker? I do. I definitely, um, 
I, I track those as well. I get about um, labs every six months. Um, so I, I pay attention to the thyroid antibodies. I've had like TPO up and down and up and down. That's kind of one of my issues. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think all those labs are important to, to keep track of. Um, and, and in the book, Eric does really a good job of going into those antibodies. So I won't I really won't go into all of that. But sure. um, but I do think those are important to track. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing everyone. The thyroid debacle. It's so worthwhile. This is a great book. I want to thank you both from the bottom of my heart for this book, you know, as a health coach and a thyroid patient, it's been so beneficial for me in understanding hypothyroidism on a much deeper level. And I truly hope that your message is heard far and wide by the medical community. Yeah. And and everyone who treats and helps and supports thyroid patients, and especially by the patient community, I think, you know, this is you want empowerment. This is how you get it. We educate ourselves and this is a wonderful place to start. So um, where can people find you and the book? Sure. So you can go to thyroiddebacle.com and all the information is on there. I will say that we are creating a training program for the strategic thyroid solution. So that's going to be for practitioners, health coaches, and then we're going to create a layman program as well. So more of a, you know, from the basis of being the, the, the course will be the health coach, but I will say, you know, if we're going to try and really, um, change the narrative, change the paradigm is that I really believe that there are a lot of people out there who would be really good candidates to become a strategic thyroid health coach and learn the program. And then, you know, doctors want their patients to get better. They just don't have the time and it's in the model. So if we would have a coaching program where we could send people there and people could network and all of that, that's changing the on on the ground, like what's happening grassroots. So I'm really excited about that. So go to the thyroiddebacle.com. You can sign up for our emails there and, and you can um, look for a course that'll be coming out this spring. Oh my gosh, very exciting. Well, I'll, I'm going to keep my ear to the ground on that one because that definitely perks my interest for sure. So thank you again to my very special guests, Dr. Kelly Halderman and Dr. Eric Balcavage. And if you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, thank you all for joining us today. I hope this episode has been as enlightening for all of you as it has been for me. If you've enjoyed the show, please don't forget to like, subscribe, or leave a review. Your support means so much and truly helps a lot. I'm Ginny Mahar wishing you the best of health. See you next time.